interview with I.W. Popham, P-O-P-H-A-M, uh, at his home at 2602 Woodmont in Austin, Texas. <clears throat> his telephone number is 477-9214. The date is June the 30th, 1980, and the interviewer is Thad Sitton. Mr. Popham is 89 years old. For 30 years, roughly 30 years, from 1935 until his retirement in the early 60s, he held the job of Travis County School Superintendent. Uh, where, uh, I guess the, fir the first thing I'd like to ask you is what, what, was, what community did you grow up in? Uh, Fairview community, west of Floresville, about eight miles. And it was a rural school. We had a little town there, no railroad. We were eight miles, about 24 miles from San Antonio, and mm -hmm. we were about eight miles from Floresville. The principal of that school was mm, W.M. Wingard from Terry Hart, Indiana. <coughs> So he was a long way from home. Well, he sat down, his doctor sent down for his health, now way back in those days. Mm -hmm. And he stayed there for several years. And until this day, I say he's the best teacher I ever had, colleges and all. So he made a he made a big impression, I mean, as a good teacher. Several of his children turned out to be teachers. He told me, he said, I want to make a teacher out of you. In 19... Ten, I went to courthouse and took an examination to get a teacher certificate. I was just in a non-accredited high school. See. Well, uh, the questions were sent out from the State Department of Education to the county seat and the county judge. I mean, the county schools didn't do it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I took that examination. Took about two days to take it. I was 19 years old, and I passed that examination and, and accepted the job of teaching in a one-room school in Wilson County. And I think it ran about seven months. I paid out of money and I had to stop it. The next summer, I went to the school. The following summer, I went to Sam Houston State Teachers College. It's a normal school then. And then the end of that summer, they gave a state examination for certificates. They were given that, the examination were given that at the college. <coughs> it was about, I think they had about 200 students in it, 300 or something like that. It's just small numbers compared. But I never forget that examination. The mathematics was the hardest you could put up in general math. And there's about 65 or 70 taking the examination. There's about eight or 10 girls cried and got up and walked out. And old Professor Joe Pritchett was head of the math department and he was running that examination. He told us, that, I'm gonna tell you people who take this examination, it said, you can't have it minus four hours to take it if you want to, but it says it's gonna take you four hours to do it. And uh, I had a friend that 
later became a prominent lawyer in Houston. He and I were taking that examination. We put the four hours in paid that math. I think I made about 90 on it, and he made a little more than I did. We corresponded with each other. He was at Madisonville. <laughs> After it was over, we'd see how we came out. And that was my first state certificate. What kind of certificate would that have been? Uh, what was the title of that certificate? It is a... Uh, I can teach only in elementary schools. Okay. It's an elementary certificate yeah. for three years. And that was after one year of college, is that correct? Didn't have any college. No college. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, you told me you can't. So, so your work at Sam Houston was to make up for the fact that uh, your the common school didn't have the high, all the high school. I had to establish my credit. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. I did that other examination. One or two of them I had to take. Two. I don't remember what it was now. Anyway. I had to take examinations of women, one or two out of ten classes to make them up. <coughs> and they qualify me as a full-fledged freshman, you see. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, they had large class of, of uh, prep students coming from an unaccredited high school just like I did. Mm -hmm. And I got my three-year state certificate and taught school two years and went back to college and established my credits at Sam Houston and uh, well I'd teach a while and go, go to school a while that's where my wife and I did it we had to we had to make money and in 19 and Twenty, let's see, nineteen twenty nine. I received a bachelor's degree at Sam Houston State Teachers College, <clears throat> and came to Maine as superintendent and vocation lab teacher. I stayed there eight years and finished my master's degree at the University of Texas, and I did some graduate work at A and M College in connection with vocation lab work. I was offered a job as a county agent, and I told him I didn't want it. Yeah. And, and then you were you were telling me before how it came that you, uh, I believe this was, I believe I have this straight, how it came that you got the job uh, as county school superintendent in Travis County over some other candidate who did not have the rural background? That's right. Well, uh, he didn't even run when he found out that the city principals were Superintendent City Principal were back in my campaign. They, he drew out, mm -hmm. and it, so you, I believe you said you said they drafted you. Well, in a sense, I know what you mean. But they they went to you. Is yeah. that right? And they said, called me and asked me to do it. Why well, haven't I debated for two weeks whether or not we'd accept the Houston job? Go to Houston or come here. Jewel was going to be a senior in high school next year, and she wanted to go to the university. Curtis, the son that was killed, he was the junior high school then. Mm -hmm. They wanted to come to Austin, they didn't want to go to Houston. And they talked us into it, so I came up and announced. It was an elective office. Mm -hmm. And I won the race. Then I did in that 28 years, never had but one opponent, and they didn't mount anything. Mm -hmm. The ladies ran against me. 
Oh, I think I'll be at six, seven thousand votes. <clears throat> but your predecessor uh, in Travis County was Mrs. George Feltner. F E L T E R. Felter. What was she like? Uh, what What can you tell me about her? Well, I knew her when I came to Maynard. The whole time I was there, but Maynard was an independent school district, and we, I went there to work for accreditation of that school, and I, in fact, all the courses credited before I left there, but we were, all that depression like to tore us up for you. But she had charge of the rural schools, and we pretty well ran on our own. She stayed in the office most of the time. She was a large person and didn't drive too well. And <clears throat> She didn't, she didn't want to give it all was up. <clears throat> she was a she was German, and mm -hmm. she thought the German people would elect her. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I was elected that office, and the good old movement started <clears throat> a few years later when uh, Dan Moody was governor. And soon as we got gravel roads and paved roads and all that black land, we could operate buses. And the school bus movement was pretty well on the way when I came into council and office. And you took you took office in I believe you told me 1935. Is that correct? 1935. And uh, 19. Anyway, they began to group these into areas. Many of them annexed to larger high schools. Manor School grew, Frugalville School grew, that's in this county. So it, it grew by, by uh, common school districts would be consolidating with, with Manor and with Pflugerville, is that and right? With Austin, that's right. Uh -huh. Some of them went to Elgin, some went to Round Rock. Those districts were, see, El, uh, Elgin is in Bastrop County, and Round Rock's in Williamson County, over here, over Dallas Highway. And they went to the closest, they would go to the closest uh, independent school district. Yes. We got a, We got this law passed, this law that required the district, the school district had been dormant for one year. You don't know what a dormant district is. Huh? I didn't before I talked to Mr. Harton, but I believe. Why don't you tell me what a dormant district? A dormant district is a district that doesn't have enough children in it to have a school for one year. What is? Is there a set number for the the children that it has? We had to have enough to. Uh, I believe it was at least 15 children. I believe it'd be about. That's about the number anyway. They didn't have enough children that day to operate a school and didn't operate a school for one year, it was the duty of the county school board <coughs> to annex that school to one one district or one or more districts. Mm -hmm. And uh, but that law was that law was a relatively recent law then. I mean it, it was new, it was new law. And when 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 did that come in? Right. Wait a minute, see if I tell you. I went in 25, I would imagine about 29 or 30, somewhere along there. So, 
the the dormant you know like I, I look at the I've been reading the county school board minutes mm -hmm. which of course uh, the county school superintendent uh, Felter but Mrs. Felter before you and then mm -hmm. you you kept the minutes uh, for the school board meetings mm -hmm. and I, I see the districts listed and I notice that the districts that that there there are holes in the numbers there'll be uh, common school district one and then we'll go to common school district three now what I was assuming is that there had once upon a time been a common school district two in Travis County but the, it had gone dormant and was no longer being listed is is that <coughs> well they didn't <clears throat> they could be consolidated out being dormant if they wanted okay. to. Yeah, it's either consolidated out of existence with another district or perhaps annexed. Annexed, yeah, or gone dormant. Mm -hmm. And after after the late 20s, you had a the school board superintendent. Well, you, you say, now I'm just checking, so the reason I'm repeating this, make sure I got it straight. Right. The county school board superintendents had a legal obligation to That's see right. that a district that had gone dormant for more than a year uh, was a, was consolidated with s some other district or districts. I would take a copy of the law and call a meeting of the school board at the schoolhouse at night in the dormant district and invite the public in that community if they wanted to come. A lot of them had telephones and the trustees did. And I'd go at night and meet with them there. and presided over the meeting, read the law to them, said, now, the county board wants to know where you want to go, and where would you like to be annexed? And I said, you don't have a choice in the matter, you're going to have to be consolidated because you're dormant. And uh, they accepted it. We had several districts went to, two or three districts went to Round Rock, that many more went to Elgin. Uh, one or two went to Buda. And a great number of them was annexed to Austin. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of the things I'm trying to understand is, you know, I, I understand some of it, but I'm trying to really... You just ask any question you want, and I'll try to okay. answer it. This business, uh, there were all these common skill districts in the county and in the other counties, uh, from the, from really the 1890s right down to the the 30s, mm -hmm. and there was some diminution in numbers. There was some consolidation going on, but not much. You know, I've I've looked up the numbers, and mm -hmm. uh, it was in general in the state in in or around 1930, most of the common school systems were just as complicated as they ever had been. And then there was a period of two decades of consolidation, and I am—I'm just trying to understand as as well as possible the reasons for for consolidation and and why it came about. And you told me one thing that stood against it was that some of those common school districts, for instance, I had in mind one school district that had a lot of big ranches on it and big cotton farms, and they didn't want to be consolidated with anybody. Mm -hmm. That district was was one of the first districts that became dormant, mm -hmm. and they came to me and said we didn't want to be annexed to anybody. The reason they did that they didn't want to pay in taxes. Mm -hmm. So they liked being dormant. They weren't. They weren't concerned about the school kids. Oh, they can go to the neighboring school over here, all right? Yeah, that's all right. We won't mm -hmm. need any school. Yeah. But you see that. Well, what what that, district was that? If you don't mind telling me. 
Webervale. Webervale. <laughs> it was down next to Hornby Den. Hornby Den was a Hornby Den was a pretty wealthy district at his farming and ranching. Mm -hmm. He's got some of the finest farmland in this county. On the right down on the river bottom mm -hmm. line. That's where it is, right down mm -hmm. the river bottom. And uh, Webervale community and Hornby Den, that community were very close. They had the churches together and. and the, Black people had their churches together and things like that. Mm -hmm. We had practically whites and blacks and, and no Latins there. Mm -hmm. And that was, a, I never forget, I forgot the man's name now. He came to me and he said, this is before the law was passed. He came to me and said, Bob, we don't want to be annexed to anybody. Just let us stay dormant. Well, so if a district was dormant, the scholastics that were still in the district, that were in the district, were going someplace to school. That, but the folks in the district simply weren't paying school taxes taxes to support it. Is that correct? That's correct. And so they were having the best. That was the best best of possible worlds to some of them. Oh. Well, would you say that that was a general reason for <coughs> resistance to consolidation? Well, no. There's another reason for it. In those small districts, by the school was generally a church, and it was a community project. They all, everybody in that community is interested in that. Maybe that's one church there, Baptist or Methodist or something like that, and those children all go to that church. I know that one district between Maine and Pflugerville, it was all German people, and they had a Lutheran church there. Mm -hmm. And that, they maintained that district, and it was large enough until they finally was consolidated the Flugerville district. They were all Germans. Mm -hmm. Well, so the somehow the allegiance, uh, um, the allegiance to the school district and the allegiance to the church got mixed up in people's minds. Is that mm -hmm. what you? Yeah. And yeah. so they were no more in favor. Sometimes they were no more in favor of seeing abolishing their school district than abolishing their church. They afraid it would. <clears throat> but it, it didn't affect the churches because the good roads came on and people could drive eight or ten miles to church or six or seven miles and didn't think anything about it, see. But when you had to ride that far in a buggy, it was too, too much. The churches had to be smaller, meaning closer together. Well, were the coming of good roads to the county uh, important for the Oh, definitely so, yes, yes. Had a lot to do with it. More than anything else. And the desire of the people living in those districts for their children to have a good high school education. Mm -hmm. And we put the value on a high school education coming from a fully accredited high school. Mm -hmm. And most of the common school districts could not manage to to make themselves a rural high school district too. They, they just had the... They didn't have money enough. They didn't have children enough. I take, for instance, Manchac School District. It's out here on the off of San Antonio Highway. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Oak Hill and, and that one or two districts right in that area. Uh, those districts <clears throat> began to grow and the interest came to Olson. We talked about having a big high school district at Buda. 
And the people over on the other side of San Antonio Highway, Creedmoor had four teachers, five. No, we didn't want to go to Beulah. We wanted to go to Dell Valley because Dell Valley School had been built out on kind of Berksome Field. And that's where they wanted to go there. It was, they'd be in their own county and they was near Berkshire Field. And that highway from Lockhart to Austin was right near right close to the schoolhouse, you see. And uh, I got accused of some things then. Papa was trying to put all the schools into Dale Valley School because the school was named for it. <laughs> There's about much sense that it was flying the moon. I never thought about such things. But, um, uh, those people too, when the base opened up that in 1952, they opened the Popham School. You want to see a picture of it? Mm-hmm. Come in. You said that practically every consolidation that was made was a different problem from one from the others. There'd be little problems come up that make it different. You couldn't say that we're going to take District Seven, Eight, and Nine and put them someplace. Like he would herd a cattle in a lot. It didn't work that way. I didn't want it to work that way. I didn't think it was fair to the people and the children to, to be satisfied with where they're going and try, try to work that out. Well, what sort of what sort of problems would come up? Now you've already indicated uh, there were a couple of them, but well, I'll let me give you a good one. The <clears throat> uh, district that was. Being annexed to in the Williamson County, we'll say Round Rock. Uh, right on that water line, on that, I mean, this river, big lake, uh, a lady owned some property and she got angered. Austin school tax and said she's going to move out of town. She, she didn't have any children. She's an old maid and wealthy. And she said, I moved out. Of, I said, I bought a beautiful two-story house and sold my home here in Austin on account of school taxes. And bought this home on the banks of the Colorado River. Big two-story house. It's a new settlement going in there. But we'd already annexed that territory to Leander Independent School District in Williamson County. And she went over there and they presented her with a tax notice. And <clears throat> her brother was one of the judges here in the Supreme Court. She went to a judge and said, oh, they say you want me to pay taxes in Williamson County. She said, uh, I'm living in Travis County. And the judge told us, I don't know anything about that. You go to Papa. That's his business, and he'll straighten it out for you. So she came to my office. She as hard as a... <laughs> she don't pay in taxes. She said, I don't have, a legal, don't have any legal right for you to tax me in Travis County for Williamson County School. I explained to her that the wishes of those people in that community asked to be annexed to Leander because it's their most convenient high school, and... That was the dormant district, and the county board did that. Now, I had nothing to do with it other than if I had property up there myself, I'd have to pay school taxes on it. Mm-hmm. And they were always bonds up there and build a new schoolhouse in Leander. She, she wasn't concerned about that. And 
she came to my office and wanted to know if she could get out of paying her taxes. I said, no, ma'am. I said, you, I'm not telling you what you can do or can't do about legally in there, but uh, you're a part of Leander School District. And she said, I'm part of Leander School District, and I, I live in Travis County. <coughs> I said, sure, you, that doesn't make any difference. I said, the county line and the school district line don't have to coincide. Because we had them. We've got that all over this county. We've got some go to Lockhart. We've got some, a lot of them go to Buda. A lot of them go to Maine. A lot of them go to Elgin, Pflugerville, and Round Rock. I couldn't keep it any other way. Because uh, the consolidation people could choose to go where they wanted to go. The county board did their best to send those people to where they wanted to go. And I told them I would have meetings with every school district when it had when it had to be annexed. I would take the school law and have a meeting with the board and the community. We have community meetings at the schoolhouse, the old schoolhouse, and to tell them that's what we had one out just this side of Round Rock one night, and uh, old Perry was sitting down at Round Rock School and. Some of those kids were already going over there, and I told Perry, I said, Perry, we're going to have a meeting that night. I wish you'd come on over there and talk to the people, because that's where they're going to want to go. And I think if they had an invitation from you, it'd, it'd be a lot of help. So he came out there, and I got up and read the law, what the law was, and most of them understood it beforehand. But some, some of them get some funny ideas about it. When they hear the law, read about it, what they had to do. That they had to be annexed to somebody, and the county board won't get this information, and the county board won't do what you people request. And they voted in that meeting there that night to be annexed to Round Rock School District. And Mr. Perry got up and invited them to join their district. He and I were good friends, of course, had been for a long time. But except for that woman, in a very few cases, we found no big opposition to consolidation. Well, it's a matter of selling, selling those people on benefit to the community. Mm -hmm. Consolidation was. Well, did the process of now I see as a as a routine sort of business showing up at the county board meeting. You know, I've been reading the, the county board notes. Mm -hmm. Something like this, uh, some kind of approval of the transfer of several students to, from such and such a uh, common school district to so and so high school and there was some arrangement about tuition that was made? Yes. Mm -hmm. What? How was that tuition <coughs> thing handled? Uh, uh, going to, to what's that in the credit high school? Mm -hmm. The state didn't pay enough money to pay all that tuition in the local district had to make a contribution to it. And the, the districts found out their responsibility, and they did that. They paid that tuition. The districts paid a portion of the tuition. I'm just, the re, I'm repeating this to check that I've got it straight. The, the districts normally paid a portion of the tuition of the students from their district who were going on to, to take some higher grade work outside of the district at a high school. Is that correct? Yes. And would the trustees at the district level approve that, and then would the school, the county school board approve it too? Is that the... the no, the county school board didn't have to approve that. If they, if they voted to pay 
certain the trustees in the local district could agree to pay so much. Let me give you this example. At Leander, night I went to a meeting over there, and uh, some children were going from a common school district down in the hill country over to Leander School, and, and Leander School. Leon, the school district wasn't a wealthy district. It was just a little small community town. <clears throat> and they had to count careful about their money. And that, they invited me to a meeting to consider these children going over there. And they weren't charging them any, di any tuition. And I think they were in debt about $300 and they just didn't, couldn't pay it, didn't have the money to pay it. I had the school board meet with me over there at Leander. And I said, uh, let's stop a minute. Let's go into private meeting. I want to have a private meeting with the school board. And I, they saw that they were supposed to be having pay on the children going to high school. And Leander was accepting without pay. I said, you fellas got about $500 left over in your, your school budget, local taxes in your district. And Leander needs that money to operate their school. I said, I'd like for you to pay that $300 debt that they owe. They said, yes, that'd be all right. Mm -hmm. They passed it. I went back into the other meeting then. <clears throat> and so he said, you owe $300. I'll mail you a check tomorrow, $300. Trustees, sign, they'll sign the check and I'll mail it to you. Mm -hmm. And it just uh, sealed up. Attitudes. Those people in Leanna thought, "My God, we got a lot of money for nothing." So of course, we won't. We'd be, we appreciate it, mm -hmm. and it, it created a much better feeling in the two districts. You see, yeah. then they were later, later on consolidated. Yeah. Well, is is that? You see, what I'm trying to get at is is that kind of a common pattern. Here you've got uh, now. Once again, I'm just saying this to see if you agree mm -hmm. with. It. You've got. A common school district that can't afford a high school. Say it's got grades one through eight. Yes. Uh, two, two teacher two, two teacher school only one school in the district, and it sets up a relationship for for sending those of its scholastics own that want to go to high school with a neighboring district. In this case, say Leander, which has a, a high school. Now, is is that and that contributed to to the eventual consolidation I of think that it school did. district with Leander or any other case where that's going on? It did it in nearly every part of the county, uh -huh. and 90% of the time, the local trustees in the small districts were willing to cooperate with the other districts. For instance, uh, <clears throat> you get, here's one of the strange things that came up one time. A young man had been elected trustee out at one of our school districts, and the school needed all our apparel. The district wouldn't put in tax. They had a little tax, but not very much. And he, uh, he, he's, he's got some children old enough now to go to school. Mm -hmm. And he wanted some new equipment put in that school, and it needed it. But the people in the community wouldn't vote, didn't vote the tax. And... Uh, Let's see, how was he put that? He came, oh yes, he came to the office and he said, Mr. Popham, we need to spend at least $500 on that building and, and set up the equipment there. He maybe moved in there and had some children. I don't remember where his case was that way, but he said, can't we go ahead and spend $500? I said, well, 
you've been elected on the board. Have you looked at the budget? He said, no, I, they didn't tell me anything about a budget. I said, well, you've got one. I'll, I'll give you a copy. I went and pulled out in District 5. And I said, now, here's your budget. He said, I didn't look at it. He said, now, you want to check out $500 that you don't have. Mm -hmm. I said, I can't write a check on Austin National Bank if I don't have the money down there to pay it. And your district can't write a check for $500. So, and I think it, it needs it. But you'll have to vote some tax in your district before you can do it. And you know, he got angry about that. He said, well, then go in debt. I said, oh, no. We didn't go in debt anywhere, anytime. 28 years I was in there, I never had one check turned down. That's quite a record. Well, there was no need of it if you had a budget. Yeah. A check, but yeah. Some people don't want to live within the budget. Family, same thing can happen with a family. Yeah. It's on that basis. How, was the, how would a budget for a district be drawn up? How, would, how did that budget for that district get, get settled upon? Okay. What was the process? All right. Uh, we'd have the tax rate. I'd have the assessed valuation of the property in the district. Mm -hmm. I'd know how much money is going to... Well, I had a close estimation of what the local taxes would amount to. So you'd know what, what the local taxes would be for that portion of the budget coming yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. I had them, had them, had them figured. Mm -hmm. And had them look at it, the trustees. I did a, a lot of meeting with trustees at night. You know why I did that? So many farmers work during the day and you try to have a school meeting in the daytime they'd be so anxious to get it over with so they could run back to the work and it's only normal to do that but if we'd have a meeting at the schoolhouse tonight we're going to meet at eight o'clock and we're going to handle that budget maybe we'd stay there at 10 11 o'clock but we worked that budget out and they'd all understand it the trustees would well did you have a a considerable education job with regard to to the trustees and the budget because now I was telling Horton that he had to explain everything I said just regard me as one of those trustees because I really I've, I'm not a school administrator and I don't really know any more about the budget Budgets. than most of those those farmers that doesn't sound like old Joe he worked for me for seven seven years and Joe was a fine fellow but he couldn't say no without saying hell no. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's that type of guy, but honestly, the days are long and oh, a good boy. And but uh, he's uh, he's ra he's raised an orphan, so to speak. Yeah, did you see him in person? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know he's big as a bull. Yeah. And okay. he went to TCU and and. Uh, he was a champion boxer at TCU University. <laughs> but anyway, uh, his wife said to me after Joe was working, he said, Mr. Popham, Joe learned more working with you about school finances than he ever learned to be in the university for 10 years. See, you're looking at the real facts of what the case is. Well, you had to be, did you, let me ask you this, did you try to attend all or most of the, the board meetings out in the common school districts? When we made the budget, I went to every one of them. 
So you would be sure you'd be there for the for a certain important meet, like the budget meeting. You that, would that's the meeting that we, we always have, and there's going to be a budget meeting. And, we won't go, and after they had one meeting with me, the next year it'd be pretty easy. You see. Well, you, what I'm saying is that you had to literally teach every bunch of, okay, a new bunch of trustees comes in in a, in a district. You you couldn't assume that they would understand the budget without you explaining all of it to them, right? However, <coughs> there were three three trustees in each district, and very seldom I know don't know of one case where we had all three new trustees. Okay. You see, if they got him one new, he'd, he'd be with the other two and he'd learn something about it before he went into meeting. <clears throat> if he didn't, he'd soon catch on to it because we'd have a copy of the last year's budget. Maybe I was too strict about budgets, but I had to, to keep, keep, them, keep, keep them money straight. Yeah. Well, what if, what if a new trustee, just a hypothetical case, said, explain to me how the where the state portion of our budget comes from. Yes, sir. We, what would you say to them? How would you tell them? <clears throat> I'd say it's based on the number of children you have, or the, assessment. the money coming from the local district would be the assessed valuation of the property in that district. Mm -hmm. That's where that comes from. In the state apportionment, if there's some rural aid, it'd be done through the application. I couldn't promise them what we get out of that. We'd get a pretty close estimate on it. And we would uh, wouldn't we'd get the real facts on it before the school ever started. Uh, well, so the state money was based upon the, the the census, the school census, which established the number of scholastics in the district. Yes, on a scholastic basis. Well, how much did the, was the state paying a, a scholastic? <coughs> I assume that figure well, changed. That was the same all over the county. It's even the same in Austin as it was in Maynard, it was in every common school district. That is what the state, I mean the per capita apportionment, that's what mm -hmm. we call it. It's, that would be the same. Whether it was a, an independent school district or a common, or a common school. school district. It was all the same. That is from the state level. Now, don't mix that up with the local tax business. Some of them up in this hill country here, that land wasn't worth anything then, and they couldn't, the taxes weren't, they couldn't vote. All I went to about Eanes District. It's, when I went into office, that was a one-room school, and all the children went there were Cedar Chopper's children. That's just across the river. <clears throat> Those little kids didn't care whether they went to school or not. And when I, it was just wild country, so to speak. <clears throat> now I went into office, had a poor little girl teaching out there. I don't think she had maybe a first or second year she'd ever taught. And she told some of them, said, now that man's in that office, he comes out there, I know I'll just faint. And trustees all said, you won't. Said, he, he'd be nice to you. You'll enjoy him when you come to know him. I remember going to that school and I could tell she was just a mom nerves, poor thing. She didn't know what she was doing anyhow. And those children from home, just about lower down financially, and their financial income was practically nothing. That you could, uh, 
I tried to make them see that the school was there for them, for them to enjoy it, and for her to have a good time with the children. I told her a little while, and I got up and left. So she'd feel like that I wasn't some dictator coming out there to tell her what to do and what not to do. And uh, after that, I got along with her fine. But uh, well, that children, another school, a new teacher come out, teacher come in from another county, and said she'd be scared of me. And they said, no, you won't be scared. He comes to school. And he soon dried other things out. How many times did you try to did you try to go out to see a teacher? Uh, did, did you did you have a set number, or did it depend on the district and the problems? Uh? The districts and problems. I didn't set numbers, but there were very few schools that I wasn't in, in at least once or twice a year. Maybe maybe the larger schools I went more because there's more things to be seen after. But I always had a meeting with the. Uh, the main thing of that was meeting with the trustees, and then I had my teachers' meetings. And I told these teachers I had a budget to live on, live on that budget. And uh, I had a school out north of town. An old man was on the board, and he wanted to, he's a great believer in uh, the walls being painted the color of this brown. He thought. Brown walls, okay. And. Uh, I went out there and he he paid he he knew all about things and, and he had that and he had two big old ten inch planks about as long as my door and this was set up there for blackboards he called it. There's a crack cut wide between them and halfway got them nailed together. And of course when they put paint on it it was gloss. You sat over there and you couldn't read what was on there. And um, uh, that was there when I went in the office, and that school had been there a long time. They had what a school was that, by the way? Summit. Summit. Okay. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Just uh, It's part of Austin's school district mm -hmm. now. It's big. Anyway, I had either two or three teachers there. I forgot which one. But I believe it was a two-teacher school. And they had a little plank up there. And I told the trustee, I said, that. That thing is not account for blackboard. It's slick, and you, you paint it with gloss paint. I said, you buy this regular chalkboard and put it up here. It won't cost you much money. You put it in a budget, put up chalkboard. And I said, we're going to do some painting. We're going to paint that ceiling very light green, almost white. Maybe it would be white. Paint the walls about the color of this. That old man kind of got mad, but he'd gotten off the board and he said, the hell, problems running the school, it looks at that school. Like. <laughs> His younger brother on the board said, no, he's not. He said, kids like it better. He said, how'd that come out of that blackboard? He said, the teachers and the kids all say they can see all over the blackboard now, from one end to the other. <laughs> but that's proof to that old fellow that he was wrong. I don't know if he ever admitted it. I didn't care whether he ever admitted it, because he wasn't the one going up there. Yeah. Well, the trustees were, in many cases, the people who hadn't had much, too much education themselves in the rural districts. Is that right? That's right. One we had Bluff Springs, now where they got that big uh, golf course business over there. Mm -hmm. I had a school out on the bank of that creek. It's called Bluff Springs School, a 2D school. Old Frank Dittmer was one of the trustees. He weighed about 220. And, and the, 
a big stomach on him, and we'd meet that at the schoolhouse, and they had these chairs and those arms around them. Oh, Frank, it's hard to get in that chair. He said, I, God said, Problem, he said, you want all the, the few new chairs. He said, I hope you got some that I could get into. I said, now wait, Frank. I said, the chairs are all the other day. I said, you set a six, seven-year-old boy down in that chair like this. And I said, his little old feet don't reach the floor. I said, I want some new desks, but they're going to be one that these kids can sit down there and their feet will be on the floor and he can sit down and get up. That's like you getting up out of your own chair. Yeah. He said, hell, I never thought of that. But we got the chairs, and he he's very proud of them after we got them. But he wanted me to order some new chairs to fit him. I said, yeah, but he don't come down here but once a month. Remember to that time? I had a lot of fun out of it. Yeah. I never had many fellows to get mad about it. More. I had one or two dictatorial fellows. But the majority of my trustees, we talked about it just like we're talking here. Well, you had to... You had to be diplomatic with the trustees, is that right? I mean, you had a lot of different people that you needed to get along with. Yes, so. sir. And so you must have gotten very good at, uh, at Public relations. With, yeah. Well, my mother said when I was a boy, I remember she said, if you don't have friends, you have to be one. And you can't go out, and I couldn't just be in council in Tennessee. I was 40 years old when I went, 41 or two years old when I went to council in Tennessee. But I'd go in there and being dictatorial, I'd have met a blank wall, let's see. But you sit down at, at a, in their own schoolhouse and go over their budgets and talk about their business. I very seldom brought the teachers in those meetings. But I'd have meetings with my teachers or I'd go back to school and talk to teachers about what we did about the school. So they'd get my viewpoint on it in regards to what they heard in the community. Well, would you, was the job of being a county school superintendent very similar to the job of being a independent school superintendent in manner, or were there some, were there some differences in I mean, in terms of, in terms you of have to be more diplomatic with people? In terms of management, you say? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think see much difference. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> see, Manor was a more of a rural community anyway. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and uh, now, when I was a younger man. I was at Pasadena when I was 29 years old as principal of that school. <clears throat> that school. Uh, like I say, I had those people from everywhere in mean, there, but the local people on the school board and the <coughs> big merchant there, <coughs> the president of the board, and <coughs> another man was on the board in total while he had hearing loss. He, he was on the board, <coughs> but those were the things that you got to handle the problem according to the people you're dealing with. You can't go out and be dictatorial, of course. <clears throat> and you're saying you weren't any more dictatorial with in at Pasadena or at Madison <coughs> than you were later on. I mean, that was your philosophy of, of administration. That was a, <clears throat> I was more dictatorial at Pasadena than I was in the business I ever had in my life, school business. 
Mm-hmm. I stayed there three years, and they begged me to stay. He said they give raise my salary, but stay there. And I told him I had to go back to school. But <clears throat> I taught teaching school and didn't have anything but a county certificate. Yeah. I did, I did a poor job. You have to admit it. Poor young man trying to teach a little bit of kids. That's the worst thing we had when I went in office. It wasn't buying a schoolhouse. <clears throat> it was a problem. It hurt work. Old Brother Jones would say, we're going to hear old Brother Smith's daughter. She ain't never taught none, and she's just been to school a little while, but she lives out here, and everybody likes her, and we want her to teach the little ones because she can get along with them. The poor thing would go in there, she was anxious to get the job, but she wouldn't know a thing about what to do. It was the most pathetic thing I had to deal with in all my experience was that. I went to the State Department of Education and said, you can qualify, you qualify for a supervisor, you know that. And here's one thing that I took advantage of. A girl that had made an application to teach with me in Manor and couldn't live out there, and they wouldn't hire anybody, wouldn't live in the community. That was their regulation. <clears throat> but I knew this girl, and. She's a young married woman, and her name was Dorothy Peckham. I called her and I said, Miss Peckham, why should you come up here to the county and so I want to talk to you. I'd been in office about a year when <clears throat> I came to this conclusion. And told her, I said, told her what, what was happening all over the county. Old Brother Jones would want to hire Brother Smith's daughter because she lives there, but she ain't never taught nothing. We'll give her the little bitty one. And they didn't know a thing or what to do with them when they got there. Dorothy Peckham's car was loaded down with primary equipment. Not necessarily a lot of expensive stuff, but some of it was. And if there was a diplomat in the world, that little old gal was. And some of the older principals here said, Mr. Palmer, we don't need any supervisor. I said, well, your definition of a supervisor and my definition is not alike. They'd say, what do you mean by that? I said, some of you girls, have, some of you women have in mind that I'm going to send somebody, somebody out there to, with a paper and pencil and find out how many mistakes you make or didn't like the looks of your clothes and stuff like that and come back and report to me. I said, I don't need that kind of a supervisor. That's not a supervisor. I said, this supervisor I'm putting on here is going to be working with the primary teachers and with beginning teachers. And I'm going to expect the older principal to help them, too. She stayed with me 10 years at 12. She did far more at the learning process in that school than I ever did. Because mm-hmm. she just hung with those little, oh, she'd carry a bunch of stuff and make them like it, you know, and kiss some of the kids by, teachers by themselves. So they needed to get the parents to help them buy equipment. The school had a little extra money. We bought it. Well, was that a was it a, a continuing problem to try to get the trustees and the districts to hire the best teachers? Did did they oh. was that a general tendency to want to hire so and so because we know her daddy and you know I had that to deal with. Uh-huh. Well, how much how much power did you have to say no to a district that wanted to hire somebody? I had no legal right. They had the legal right to employ the teacher. But I had a legal right to 
question about her ability if she got there. If she didn't do it like it would be done for a year, I wouldn't mind talking to him about it. Mm -hmm. I've had cases like that, but a lot of them were funny. One of the biggest, funniest, ca strangest cases I ever had was when integration went in. Mm -hmm. I had some colored teachers that just some of them weren't worth shooting. Just sorry. Then I had old Robbie Jones, a colored girl, was one of the best teachers I had in the county. Mm -hmm. And when they started consolidation, she died at Hornby Dunn. That means didn't have enough colored children left to have a teacher anyway. So I moved here over to Creedmoor where I had about four or five teachers and put her on that school. Joe Horton was helping me and I said, I'm going to know at about the time I got out of office. I said, I'm going to put Robbie over there and I called the trustees. I said, you've got to have one colored teacher in that school out there and I'm going to send a girl out there and I want you fellas to accept her contract. I said, she's the best colored teacher in the county. Otherwise, I'm going to lose her. I don't want to lose her. They hired Robbie. They had some of their own teachers. Some of them lived out there in the community. And I went out there to visit the school after I went out of the office. Two or three months, I went with Joe Horton out there. And uh, one of the ladies teaching out there said, uh, I said to her, I said, how's Robert Jones getting along out here. She said, Mr. Popham, you sent her out here. You know how she's getting along. She said, she's the best teacher in this school. A girl that was working in Buick, people here in town, lived out there, and their daughter was going to be in school out there, and they were skeptic about that. But after their daughter was in the school one year, I went down my car down there, and she said, thank God you put uh, Robert Jones out there. I said, why? Wow, that's a black girl. Yeah, she said, I don't give a damn shit. She she's the best teacher you got out there. Yeah. That sure did help yeah. me in settling that integration problem. Yeah, I can see. And you had to... People valued a good teacher after after they got to... Know it. Yeah, and they were... Well, <laughs> had a problem with Del Valley. Del Valley wouldn't have a football team and didn't have them. Wasn't poor blacks went over there. And they, <laughs> they could, they, everybody beat them, I think. And, then put that integration to pull two or three of the nigger boys out of awesome school. Went back out there at Del Valley High School. And one of them was about six feet one or two. He weighed about 185 pounds. He got on a rabbit. And he was a faculty all-day student. Mm -hmm. And he had two more years in high school. The second year that, they made him captain of the football team. Down there, they won game and they were where they played. They had about three nigger boys in there, that just like rabbits. And they like, they didn't play basketball, they didn't play football and go to school. <laughs> but I'm just saying that those boys helped break down the barrier. Stephen Dennis out there said, Mr. Problem, those boys did more to welcome the blacks into the school than anything else that could have been done. Mm -hmm. They behaved themselves. They were good football players, and they elected that boy the second year, they elected him captain of the team. I bet that did help a lot. Uh, can you, you can see what 
And Sometimes I think problems could be settled like that, could be settled more quickly in a small school than in a big school because it was all personal relationships. That's right. And everybody became aware that so-and-so was, was an yeah. excellent student or an excellent athlete. Or well, we're getting all the consolidation and stuff, but that's uh, my daughter that has charge of senior math students in, in the university who are doing a student teaching in the Austin High Schools, mm -hmm. junior and senior high school. And before that, before they had the integration problem, they had a large black school on the east side of town. And I thought a lot of the principal, the principal of that school, uh, I wasn't under my jurisdiction, city of Austin. Mm -hmm. But I said to Jewel one day, I said, Jewel, did they teach the same kind of math and the same ratio, just like the teachers in the Austin High School over there? She said, no, Daddy, they don't. They can't learn it that way. Foundation isn't there. She said, they try to get them to do that algebra and playing genre like we did in the regular high school. She said, you flunk every half of them. Two-thirds of them. See, there's got to be a lot of a lot of work done on it. Yeah. Well, let me just let me just uh, now. I'm just making this case up. But say in a say Eanes district. I'm just using that. Say okay. any little one one teacher school district. Uh, the board wants somebody's daughter that is minimally qualified. Uh, you suspect they're they're going to be weak. Uh, they're there a year, but you can't say them nay. The trustees are all agreed they want this person. And she's there for a week, or rather for a, a, a term, and, and you know she is weak, and she's not doing a very good job, really poor job. Uh, and what if the trustees want her again the next year? Can you, can you well, say? If she has any ability at all, this supervisor will be in her room one day out of every week until she gets to teaching school like it ought to be taught and like it ought to be run, or there'll be a recommendation at the end of the year that she not be rehired. Well, I recommend it. I might, they might overrule me. Well, that's what I'm asking. Could uh, Very seldom I ever got overruled mm -hmm. on it. Sometimes mm -hmm. they did. Well, I'm sure. Tell you I'm what happened now. Yeah. Dorothy Peckham left me. She got a doctor's degree while she was working with me. And she got a doctor's degree. She came up and put her arm around me and said, I never, she and her husband separated. I hated that. Heard it. She'd been with me about a year or two. <clears throat> he was a lawyer and he was drinking a lot of liquor. <clears throat> and I don't say it's all his fault, but nevertheless, she became a widow. And as she got that doctor's degree, she went to Los Angeles State College in California, trained train elementary, especially mostly primary teachers. She's doing that yet, so far as I know. And she went out there and salary double of what I was paying her, just about. And she comes back here, she's back here this last summer. And when she comes into town, or if some of these teachers get told to me that she stayed with me 12 years, they say to me now, Mr. Bob, have you heard from Ms. Peckham lately? I still remember. They, they, they don't remember, they loved her. Now some of those old-timey principals kind of had that, we don't want somebody out here telling us what to do, mm -hmm. dictatorial. I said, you won't get that out of here at all. If I find it out, I, she won't be here. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not having anybody dictating to you. And uh, 
you go and identify him trouble him, write down on pencil, come back and have a private conversation with me and I'm not looking for that kind of stuff at all. I said, you and I said a little problem the principal. Well, she would carry a whole set of, uh, set of uh, teaching materials in her car when she visited the schools to mm -hmm. show the teachers mm -hmm. how yeah. to use stuff or to, to leave stuff in the school? She'd, she'd, she'd accumulated a lot of that and she'd go by uh, of us on the court, uh, we'd have a, I couldn't take schoolmen to it, but she, she'd get a hold of it. She'd just too mm -hmm. doggone good to manage not to have it. She'd just have a copy of it. And, oh yes, most of these people that had that stuff to sell, they'd give her copies of it. See why? Mm -hmm. sure. she, she had a car loaded with it. And she was this, this kind of a diplomat in two, three, or four teachers' schools. Sometimes you get some of the teachers don't like the principal or some don't like some teachers and get personal things, get into it. They couldn't drag Dorothy Peckham into it. She wouldn't do it at all. She said, now don't talk to me about, said, I'm talking with you about school, and let's don't talk about Miss Jones over there. Let's sit that alone. Yeah, they try to get her on their side and whatever little thing was going yeah. on there. They try to... I had that trouble with, them, with another supervisor, and I had to let her go. She got too much of that. Uh, had a nurse that I had trouble with on that. She did. Help create antagonism among the teachers. And that's a, that's an awful bad thing to get in the school. Well, I don't know if I've done you any good not talking to you. When the rural students, how well, I guess the question is, how well do you think the common schools did their job of teaching people uh, the basics of English and mathematics? It, it, how well did the students do when they came in, in a general way, when they came into the town school to finish their high school or when they transferred in? If they came out, we had seven grades, we called seven grades elementary schools. Mm -hmm. And the child came out of that, he went in there and accredited high school somewhere and went on through it. For instance, um, I had one girl out here that, in the Elroy community in the northeast part of the county, it was a three or four teacher school when, all the time I was in the office. And that girl finished out there, she rode that bus and went all the way through Austin High School. And she kept, she knew how, how many miles it was from her house to Austin High School. And she, she had an article that told her how many miles she rolled that bus the time she finished high school. <laughs> Fool things like that, you know. And those kids came in here. I would say 9% of them left those seventh grade schools and came in here. They could, they could do just as well as seventh grade kids here in town. So they were basically on a level. They, they were not, they didn't have a lot of, I'm sure they had some problems of adjusting you know, uh, timidity. Yeah, that that came from being in from a small school to a big school. Oh, yeah. But in terms of their schoolwork, they were. I think most of them were on a level, maybe maybe a little bit below it, because the ones that used to be on kind of a new environment, mm -hmm. they kind of felt that they were inferior or something until they got started in it. And yeah, worked out. They would have had some sort of psychological problems really right. more than their, right. their, their, 
intellectual problems. I know. Uh, going into establishing my college credits myself when I I came from a non-accredited high school. Mm -hmm. I went to the courthouse and took examination. I went down and took the state examination at Sam Houston and got a state certificate. I didn't fail at the time, but uh, <clears throat> my grades were pretty high on the state examination, I understand. Anyway, uh, those papers were sent to the state. They weren't graded there in, in Huntsville then. <clears throat> it's a state examination for, for certificates. Of course, if you were going there to get get your credits established, that's nothing else. <clears throat> and I had established my credits when I went to college, too. Uh, I passed most of them by examination. I had no trouble with English, no trouble with math. Uh, I think I had to, yeah, I had to take plain geometry over. I didn't have much geometry teacher when I was a boy. But uh, I like math and got along with that fine. But I had to say, the course in algebra. And uh, well, this has to do really. I'm. I feel free to jump around too. But it just occurred to me a question. Did you have some people, some resistance at the community level to consolidation from people who just did not want to lose the community school with some of the... That, that was my biggest problem. People didn't want to give up the little community school. That went so far with a little mountain school up here. It was, it was after that next to Eanes out here. That man just loved that school and community and, and he and some neighbors built the schoolhouse themselves out of their own money. Put up a little frame building. He lived out on the bank of the river almost. And when I told him that he's going to have to close up that school, he didn't have enough children in it to legally maintain its operation. He sat in my office and cried. Um, he said, I said, well, now, I don't think you ought to feel that about your children not in school anymore. And I said, uh, I tease her about it. I said, you girl's about the same size. She weighed about 100, less than 110, and Willow may weigh 230. Yeah, okay. But she's... It's a little different there. She's, she's raised down close to Bastrop. Mm -hmm. And I, I give her a lot of things. In fact, her father living here in Bastrop, and he, he's in a wheelchair. I said, well, I'll, I'll give you some shirts for you, Dad. I picked up four or five of them shirt shirts I wasn't using anymore. <laughs> it uh, had long pointed collars on or something. And I said, you want these shirts? He said, yeah. I said, Dad, my dad can wear them. He's about your size. He's a bit smaller. I'll give him several little things like that. Yeah. Even give him a sunbeam safety razor. And he said he, he wouldn't take anything that razor. Uh, I got a hold of a Norelco using that. Did you ever use one? Mm -mm. Never had for some reason. What, what do you use? Just a blade razor. Is that right? Yeah. Maybe I don't know any better. I'll show you one, Director. I, I, my daughter, her husband gave me a new Norelco. Yeah. That beats anything I appreciate with in my life. Yeah. You can 
wash your face real good. I use uh, some kind of a stuff to dry skin. With pick that thing up and run over your face, and you've got to go back and feel that and see whether or not cut it or did cut it or didn't cut it. It never hurt, never makes it, you know, cuts never or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started, I started shaving when I was about nine, 18 years old. I used a straight blade razor, and I claimed to be an expert with that. And didn't ever use anything else for many years after I was married. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I was an expert on sharpening razors. I had a home, had my razor straps, and things. I took care of those just like you would a precious gift of some kind. I've still got two of my old razors yet. <laughs> and I have, of course, they haven't been used in 50 years. Yeah. Uh, I don't miss shaving many mornings a year. Habit, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm the same way. But you were, you were saying that this man actually cried in your office. That was that was because of a selfish pride he had in that community. Mm-hmm. He wasn't mean. He, he was just he's a very sweet fellow. I thought a lot of him. He had problems. Said I hate to give up our school. He said I, said, I, he said, I hate to give up mine and your relations. I said we don't. I said. You, when you come to court, when you come to town, come by and visit me. And he, and he said, you always were, the children liked you, the teacher liked you. I said, well, why shouldn't I? I had no reason to tell him I was a dictator or something. And uh, he said he could, he could realize, he said he wasn't being ugly about it because he knew it had to be because the children moved away. But what happened? That district was annexed to Eanes. It became uh, uh, West Lake Hills, big high school now. Because they won the state championship in Class C baseball recently. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to figure out what the community school meant to those little rural communities. You know, what what sort of the meaning it had for them. Well, it had to have one reason that had no way of getting away from that. They didn't have any automobiles, and mm-hmm. a distance of two or three miles was a long ways. I think that had more to do with anything else. But when good roads came in, that car by, they, they were much closer by, with an automobile to Austin than they were to the next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. Well, did the communities use those schools in any other way except? Uh, the education, did they? Did uh, they use the, the premises? Is what I'm saying. You, you think? Did it break it down in the after? No, I mean, I mean, while the schools were out there, while the school was a going concern in the community, were there other were there other uses that the community made of the school building and the school premises that might help to explain? Oh, they the had the, they had little parties and things like that in the school building. I think they. Majority of those little old schools thought a lot of their school building and equipment, nobody ever bothered it. Mm-hmm. You know, I never heard of anybody going to steal the furniture, burn it up, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't, I don't recall having a schoolhouse burned while I was in office. And I know I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how many cl- I saw close up, from kind of consolidation, and by grouping, I'd say. Mm-hmm. 
which is consolidation. <coughs> well, I'd say, say good roads, yeah. good roads, and uh, had more to do with that and different methods of traveling had more to do with it than anything else. In other words, a unit, you got a little unit here that's two miles wide or three or four miles wide. All right. And a big highway come right along here, and this other community had one. They could take in three or four communities as big as that one, mm -hmm. and and not have to travel any further, enjoy a car ride or anything else. And they they did that. Automobiles had more to do with consolidation than anything else. Well, and the necessity for advanced education. Yeah. There was no question in my mind, and there was it that uh, the purpose of a consolidation was to give children better, better education opportunities. I think it did that. Maybe in a few instances it didn't, but I'd say 9% of the time it did. Mm -hmm. Another thing it did, it taught children how to get along with people. Association, it broadened their environment to such an extent it gave them a chance to know more people and it was better for them. Yeah, that's, I can see Did you think that was the, the biggest thing there was in it? Yeah. Besides, <clears throat> now we had a number of children that came out of these little bit of districts that uh, turned out to be strong students. That daughter of mine, went, she went here all the way through Manor School and she became a very in high school her senior year, which was hard on that child. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, English, you know, American literature wasn't wasn't accredited mainly. They were about the two, three, oh, I guess about one fourth of the subjects hadn't been accredited. We were working on it when I left there, <clears throat> trying to live that depression down. You know. Anyway, she said she came to Alton School. She had that course in literature, and and she had had the literature the year before that same course in Maine School. From my wife, her mother. Mm -hmm. My wife was a good English student, and she was majored in English. And Jill was an OA student. She she brought, well, of course she was a superintendent's daughter and all that kind of stuff, and she brought it. And she went and then they put in that that uh, literature class, and Jill went into class and. When the teacher asked them, she she had it just like that, and she stayed in there about third time during the class. She said, "Jill, after class, you come by. I want to talk to you." <coughs> she said, "You've had all this literature." She said, "Yes, I have. You the same book." He said, "Jill, who taught you that literature?" She said, "Mother did," and said she was an English major. She had a degree in English. And said. I noticed in your report card here you had all A's in that. She said, yes. She had all A's in everything else. Mm -hmm. And she said, there's no need of you taking this course over. It's a waste. She just took and went on down to the principal's office and George Will said, no, said, tell her to drop it and give her credit, credit for that. She said she didn't meet the class but three times. But that wasn't true with some of the other courses she had to take. Yeah. Very little repetition. But 
not because of my daughter, and, and I was kind of superintendent, but because she was an old A student. Mm -hmm. She was a Phi Beta Kappa math major at the university. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, you were, you know, we were talking about one of the things we talked about is the people you had on your staff as county school superintendent. You know, the kinds. Now we talked about what your, what your supervisor, your supervisors would do, and you had. Uh, the one lady I've forgotten her name for 12 years, mm -hmm. and she was very good. Uh, Some of the others weren't as strong weren't, as she was. Weren't as strong as she was. Now, now there was another. What in? Now this is the first time I'd ever heard this term. What is a visiting teacher? Now, now you hired uh, Joe, Joe Horton. First, when he first went to work for you, he was a visiting teacher. Is that right? I believe it was. I forgot to tell you. What, what does a visiting teacher do? I, I hadn't heard of that. I don't know where you got that term. I guess it was. But Maybe he meant supervisor. I think he should use that word. Now, he didn't He didn't have to do much supervision. You taught, taught in high school most before you came to me. Yeah. And uh, he was assistant superintendent. He, he, he kept yeah. the books and things like that. That's what he did. Well, how much... Uh, Okay, well, I understand, yes. The supervisors really were visiting teachers. They were uh, consult. Yeah. they were help, they, their job was to help the teachers do a better job, Good. not to. The supervisor's job was to get in that car and get away from that always every morning going out to school. Okay. That'd be, that'd be the best way to answer it. Yeah. But Joe didn't have that too much that to do. Maybe part of the time he did, but. Uh, uh, most of Joe's office was office work and uh, things like that. He was assistant. I think his title was assistant county superintendent. Well, but so you, you would try to as you, you would you would try to get out personally to every school a couple of times a year. I would guess I wouldn't try to force myself to say I get that exactly, but where I needed most is where I tried to go. Yeah. Sometimes if we want to we want to. Planning a building and going to build a new building, I may go out there more often, may go out there more times at night. Because I can meet with the trustees at night. Yeah. Very few times I ever met with trustees in daytime. Yeah, just wouldn't work very well. I can see why, too. Yeah, that's right. They had their mind on something else. So the supervisor was the person working for you that Went directly that to made, that met directly with the teachers on it was always out there, always someplace in the system, seeing, helping some teacher. Uh, uh, Joe worked with upper upper elementary grade some as a supervisor, but the primary work was uh, I had another supervisor after Joe left, but I never did have one that I thought handled the job like she did. Mm -hmm. I laughed at one of the principals. And Mrs. Calhoun, the black woman supervising my, she did a lot of good with the black schools. I had some awful sorry teaching in the nigger schools. Mm -hmm. For instance, here was one of them. One, 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 nigger woman teaching down at Hornby Dunlap. Great big old somebody, might need as big as Willamette. And she had some grandchildren, and she had a three-year-old grandchild, and, and she'd take that child with her down to the little one-room school and keep that kid there all day in school, three-year-old. And uh, 
Mrs. Calhoun came to me about it, and I said, she keep the child all day? She said, yeah, Miss Palmer, maybe she bring that child down and keeps it there all day. And said, she devotes a third of her time with that child. In short, be doing teaching. She said, it isn't good at all. I said, Miss Calhoun, you go back down there tomorrow, and you tell her to not bring that child back to school anymore, that she's violating the law, and you're not going to have a child three years old in the school where it's bothering children and he said she's taking up care of that teacher's time until that teacher devote her time with those children at school age strictly. Mm -hmm. Well it made that nigger woman mad but yeah. she, she knew she'd do that or quit. Well, I, I didn't care it didn't make her mad to yeah. be frank with you. Yeah. I didn't have much like that but she wasn't account for teaching anyhow. Yeah, well, I was I was going to ask you. I was curious about the special problems that you would have had with the with the black schools. Now there were how many of the districts, roughly speaking, when you when you took over? Say there were seven, no, twenty twenty six or so when you took. Yes, how many of those districts would have, you know, I'm approximately how many of them would have had black schools? Black schools. <coughs> Well, it depends on what part of the county it was in. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Back this part of the mountains up here in the hills, none. Mm -hmm. Go to Mainland, clear to the, over the, uh, the Williamson County line and back to uh, Bastrop County line. There lots of, where we had big cotton farms, we had lots, mm -hmm. of, lots of blacks. So when you got down in the better soils, uh, the areas along the river, toward the river, where where there was the the good alluvial soil and the cotton form, and that's where you had the had a lot of blacks. blacks. And uh, I've noticed this the growth of that. A lot of those blacks have gone from there. Mm -hmm. You know why? They couldn't make a living. There wasn't anything for them to do. The parents didn't. Old man Jones had a had a big cotton farm out there and he worked it with a bunch of niggas and they were all gone. He didn't didn't even have a tractor. Mm -hmm. Well he had when the tenant system when the tenant system went That's right. That's when the they moved. Well, you did, know who got them here? Houston got it. Seventy five percent of them, I think. Really? From around oh, here. Oh yeah, yeah. Well the Made a whole lot of them in Austin too. Well, did you have instances, and I'm talking about again when you came in, say in the in the 30s around 40, did you have any instances of uh, of black trustees in in the, any blacks on you know the school boards, the local school boards? Oh no. What did Listen, you ever? Well, I was most of that. The blacks didn't vote anywhere in anything. Mm -hmm. As long as I was in office, I don't remember them ever voting in an election. Now it's a different story. Did you ever hear of something, not necessarily in this county, did you ever hear of sub-trustees? Did you ever hear of whites having, the, the, the whites that were running the, the school district having black sub-trustees to give them advice about the black school? No, I never had anything like that. I heard of that from Caldwell County in one place, but I never have been, I haven't picked up any other. <clears throat> now I had a, I had this black supervisor, mm -hmm. and she worked only in the black schools. That was Mrs. Calhoun, and when uh, another girl that I had after the wedding, Dr. Peckham, left here, um, one of the principals said to me in the office, Mr. Palmer, I know one thing you can't do that 
the most capable person you've got now in the county for a supervisor would be Ms. Calhoun. Mm -hmm. She was smart. She she was educated, I think, in some northern state, married and came down here, and she'd had good schooling, and she, she had the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's one thing. Uh, I don't know what you, you call this. I don't know what category to put it in. Jewel says that a lot of the black children can't get math like white children can. They have the ability to get it. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? I just haven't had an, I have never, I am, I think it's plausible. I've never had any direct experience teaching blacks. And so I, uh, I, I, I never taught any of them either. <clears throat> I taught some Latin Americans. And then you had a language problem there a lot of times when I was teaching school in, in, in Wilson County, in Bear County. I taught in Bear County one year. I didn't have any Mexicans there, but I had, I don't believe it. But I've had, uh, Mex I've been to school where the Mexicans in the same school with the white children. We had some of that. I went to school with something like that. Mm -hmm. And some, sometimes you'd find a Mexican family with it. Those kids could learn just like the white children. Then you'd have some in there that they'd just come to school three or four months here and go home, wouldn't come back. So it was kind of a kind. Of, it kind of was was related to how the family. That's right. Their attitudes toward it. Huh? That's right. Well, what was? Uh, we never had any compulsory attendance of blacks back in those early yeah. days. Well, where? Now here's a question. In in the late 30s. Where did the Mexicans go to school? Now, I under, did, did they go to special schools or did they go right into the white school? What was the, the what was going on? I, I recall in one or two communities we had a little one-room Mexican school and they were closed up early. They went out of here right where Bastrop and Lockhart Road separated. I had a Mexican school there. And I had a girl come here from North somewhere, she married a local boy. Dying smart, that woman was brilliant as could be, and, and she's a big Catholic. And all the Mexicans were Catholics, and she went out there and said she'd like to be principal, she'd like to have that school. And, and we let her have it. Then she did more to help those Mexicans than anybody else because she knew that they had the same eyes about church. And mm -hmm. that's, but uh, uh, she didn't stay with him for a few years. Uh, her husband died, and she went back to New York, where she came from. But uh, <clears throat> sometimes Mexican teachers were, you'd try to get a, a Latin American to teach in a Latin American school. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get some that's pretty good, and then others are just about just to fill in, so to speak. Was it hard to, generally pretty hard to do to get? Yes, it's hard to get qualified people to do it. In uh, their in, own race. Yeah. I didn't hire, I never knew of an instance where a white child was hard, a white child was teaching a Mexican, whole Mexican school now. If it was mixed, the Mexicans and whites all went to the same school. They did that lots of times. Mm -hmm. Then the white teachers were hired there. So there was, there were a good many schools where there was a mixed uh, 
Mexican white. Yes, yes. Indian. <coughs> Had more of that than they did the private Mexican schools. Yeah. I don't recall, but two places where I had an active Mexican school, mm -hmm. and they closed up pretty early. Yeah, well, there were, I noticed there were few in this county. In Caldwell County, there seems to have been more of them for some reason. Um, more Mexican schools? More Mexicans. The, it was quite common in Caldwell County in the period that I was interviewing teachers, uh, say in the 30s, to have, a, you'd have a little district and you'd have that little district somehow trying to support that have, they might have a one-room white, a one-room black, and a one-room Mexican school all in the same district. Yeah, and I yeah, just yeah. thought that, boy, that was costing those folks a lot of money to maintain. Yes, it was. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Bluff Springs had a two-teacher white school, <clears throat> one-teacher negro school, and one-teacher Mexican school. And the woman that taught that little school, she lives in Austin now. She did, she did so devilish much for those Mexicans. She was a big Catholic, and they were too. Mm -hmm. And she was an outstanding woman here in town. I know her husband. I think he worked in some state office here. I mean, some county office. Wow. Well, was there any? Were there any differences involved? in dealing with the district, the say the German districts and the Swedish, say, uh, okay, Manor had a lot of uh, Swedish families, you said? Or, no, it was German. A lot of Germans at Manor district. A lot of Manor, uh, all German, my name. Okay. Uh, Manor is my all Swedish people. Now yeah. then, it's not that way so much yeah. anymore. Well, from your perspective as a county school superintendent, were, were those districts easier to deal with or harder to, dis to deal with or what? Uh, I didn't think so. I didn't see. <clears throat> I was faced with this problem when I went in office. This is politics, though. Mm -hmm. um, Mrs. Felder was a German. In mm -hmm. Pflugerville, it was a pretty well German community, but there was three or four families living in Pflugerville that weren't Germans. One of them was Davis, Davis family, and I can't call it, three, three families. They were not German. They had a uh, Methodist church over there. The most, most of them went to that Methodist church. The rest of them went to Lutheran church for all German. And I've been in Maynard eight years and all those Swedish people. Ms. Felter had a girl, her first assistant, was a Swedish girl, and she was well thought of in this county. She was a fine person. She had far more influence over the school than, than Ms. Felter did. Ms. Felter was so much German. And the Davises and Blacklock, two main families in Fruitville community, back out to kind of like Round Rock, toward Round Rock, they were my personal friends, and they knew me and Maine all the time. And one of them saw me at a meeting somewhere. We didn't have a television and broadcasting then. We had to travel around and talk to communities. This fellow said to me, he said, problem you're going to lose it. Flugerville box, Mr. Felder beats you in Flugerville box because so many German and he says, I want a little German to vote her. Mm -hmm. And he said, all of us non-Germans are going to vote for you. He said, it's one of the things that happened. Well, now that happened the first time. However, of course, they said they had one or two German families in Maine, but those are 
mainly they one of them supported me. And some of them got, of course, out of politics. They said that Pop wasn't able to take mainly at Boston. Of course, I got about 85% of it and 90%. But well, <laughs> wasn't, I mean, the main Boston told, told the tale here in Austin, you see. But uh, I don't think I got many German votes the first time I ran. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's a. It's a it's an elected office. It's a political office. Yeah, and, that's, that's but a you essentially were involved after that one after the first election. You really didn't have to worry too much about you know if you were unopposed down through those years. You just could oh, just concentrate on doing. I paid no pain to it. Yeah, and uh, one old German fella, after I'd been in office. That, now that's a serious, a serious thing, uh, in the sense that when the schools were in the communities, uh, the communities here in Central Texas were di were diverse. There were communities that were mainly Mexican, communities that were mainly Swedish and you German, and I mean that that made it. And I was, you know, I'm curious about, and you've been you've been explaining. Uh, what difference that might make for the point of view? I don't think as much now as it used to be. Yeah, bad. Uh, but keep this in mind German people are, are clannish yet, Mexican people are clannish, Negroes are clannish. Mm -hmm. If you understand it. Yeah, I know. That's a broad you. view of the word clannish. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they all adhere to everything that they're. The Germans had maybe some. The German can be wrong and the rest of the German be against him for that matter. It's about like the difference between Republicans and Democrats. That's, that's got to be a big word now, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. This year it is a very big word. Terrible, well, terrible thing. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Let's cut that out. Let's cut that light on. It's hot, isn't it? Yeah, it is hot. That does. I don't. I can see it easy. The your relationship to the school board, or rather the the county school board. Now you have to understand. I'm still trying to get get the basics down. What what did the if you, would you tell me what the county school board did? Yes, they. Uh, They didn't have much authority. They more more so it was. Uh, they didn't elect teachers, but that take for instance the law that abolished, started to do away with uh, common school districts that came uh, over the line had to be done away with. with it the supporting of common school districts. County board had all to do with that. Mm -hmm. And it became a question of county, of district lines. They had a lot to do with that. Of course, it's on the map, and they followed it out. But, but as long as it wasn't an issue of consolidation or of county board lines, as long as things were not changed, things were not being consolidated in the district, they, well, I noticed 
they met once a month, and sometimes in the twenties they wouldn't meet for but every other, every other month. I noticed mm -hmm. under Miss Feltner. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah, they, you know they just miss a meeting every so often. Well, I think she's been. She just got down where uh, the sweetest girl she had in there is a very cool friend of mine, and I see her now quite often. Uh, she was relationship with teachers, she did back the whole thing. Miss Phillips just went down and sat down at the desk and called herself a big shot and giving directions, and she didn't give much direction. But uh, well, I did get her name was Pauline Becker. Uh -huh. Be frank with you, and I ran against Miss Felder. I, I had a hard more trouble trying to defeat Pauline Becker than I did Miss Felder. Yeah. Because she was, she was a sweet. Yeah. And all of my votes, my sweetest people I've been teaching among them, you see, and they were on my side, 9% of them. And 9% of the Germans weren't on my side. Is that much clannish business back in those days, but I don't think it's that bad now at all. Mm -hmm. Well, the, uh, I did get the feeling that, that Mrs. Felt, from just reading the notes, that Mrs. Felter didn't go out in the schools too much herself. <laughs> She's too big and fat to get around. Yeah. Well, and she said, said in one meeting in 1928, she had a hundred and six school buildings to visit, and she, you know, she was complaining about her travel money or something. Well, uh, the travel money, the uh, law provides that you, they allowed so much a mile for cars. I forgot mm -hmm. what I got now. The movie allowed miles on the cars. That's all that they ever paid, other than the salary, the regular salary, and. Of course, now, Maynard was an independent school district. She never did come to my, to my school. I, I don't, oh, once, maybe once every two or three years. Uh, maybe some kind of meeting would come out there. But she had about three radical old German men on there, and they were, oh, they were German, German, German. Finnig, Mr. Finnig, I saw his name. Yeah, Finnig and... There's one here in town that's got this big this swimming pool out here. What's the name of that uh, name for him? I thought I'd never get it. He was chairman of the county board a long time, and he yeah. and he, he he came from Brenham up here, I think, and he's a pretty wealthy man, and he gave uh, he gave all that. Uh, Area at that swimming pool, he owned all that land around, and he gave it all to the city. He said, Give him every bit of it if they name it for him. I can't call that name, I ain't that all like as soon as I'm getting old. But he was he was president of the county board for a long time. Mm -hmm. But he got so old he, he had, had to drop out. So there was kind of a German uh, German slant to the, the school board. German school, county school board was sealed up. There's a man from Pflugerville and a man from there, and there's one out here in the east of town. I've forgotten his name. Those three, of course, this old, old man, doggone, I can't say his name. He'd gotten too old and got off the board before I got Well, in fact, he died. He was. All that big uh, swimming pool out there is named for him. I wish I could help, but I don't know. Well, I can't say this. Old lady's got me, but well, I can't think of names myself. So, I, well, uh, of course, after I got in the board and working with some of those Germans, uh, I didn't have any, only one. They put a young man on the school board from 
Pflugerville, and uh, he's one of these hot-headed people who want to rule everything, and uh, he got me a little dictatorial of what he wanted to tell me what to do. And I guess I kind of let my eyes get away with me. <clears throat> and then the board meeting, he said, I think you ought to go do so and so. I said, now, wait a minute. <clears throat> I don't think that's any of your business. That's according to the law, that my, that's all under my jurisdiction. I'll do that like I see fit. If I need any of your help, I'll call you. Mm -hmm. He never did come back. He resigned the county board. Mm -hmm. That's all he wanted to do. If he can come down there and boss things, he didn't want to stay there. Mm -hmm. And some of the board members said, one man said, I'm damn glad he got mad and quit. Well, the other board members said that. I didn't comment. I didn't know. But well, so he so, had two sisters yeah. now, had married an old some yeah. <laughs> a friend that I knew, and, and those two sisters, one of them called me on the phone and said, I knew he's putting his mouth in where he had no business, and you had to straighten him out, and that's why I come to get mad. Yeah. said, Mr. Poppin, we don't blame you. We blame him. He can't get along with his own folks. Yeah. But now, why did that, why did that German, why did Flugel, and I told the Flugel people, I said, now, <clears throat> This is a countywide situation, and since we don't have any board people on the board for Maine in that district, and I said, there's thousands of people in Northwest Austin, and I can easily find a board member over there, and I'll run one if you fellas want to start running this German and Swedish business. I don't, I'm not interested in it. Mm -hmm. They let me alone. They don't allow that would bother me anymore. Maybe so that was sort of a German-Swedish, uh, there was some opposition yeah. there between... Well, I hated it because <clears throat> I had been with the, working with mostly Polish, I mean mostly Swedish people. Uh, they've always, I go to San Antonio about once a month, support it. He's 68 years old now and he graduated Manor High School and worked in the bank down and was closed up when the depression hit. I had him get a job here in town. He went to work for the city and He's 68 years, no, he's 69 years old now, and I'm 89, we run around together. And if he's not busy, I call him, I say, I want to go to San Antonio next week. Okay, we'll pick out a day and we'll go. And he comes over here and drives my car and drives me over there and back. I have an invalid brother over there in the restaurant. <clears throat> but that's uh, beside the point in school matters. I try to keep Chinese uh, business out of the school business. It wasn't good. Keep it out. It didn't, it didn't bother my teachers at all. I don't think they ever yeah. affected them. Yeah. But just sometimes. I had, I had Swedish teachers and German teachers too that are my very close personal friends. Still are. Were there, were there any other kind of uh, special groups in the county besides the ones we've, we've talked about? Were there, were there any, and see, I'm showing my ignorance of who was in Travis County. Were there any Polish or Czech uh, communities in the no. county? There might have been a few families, but there was no recognition of it. No, no real rural community mm -hmm. that was. Uh, so it was mainly the, the Germans and the Swedes. That's right. None of it. The. So in in terms of your, now I know I'm just talking about your relations with your school board or, or school boards. Uh, they, I was trying to decide what were the the sort of lines of authority between the county school superintendent and the school board. Were they primarily an advisory <coughs> group? That's about all it was, about all it was for, an advisory group. They didn't elect teachers. Uh, 
they could have influence over county over local trustees if they uh -huh. could do that. Well, there was one of them. They were uh, elected. It was an elected office, and they were elected from the districts of the county. Is that right? The precincts, I mean. Yeah, they, they were. Oh yes, the the county board members were elected from each the four commissioners' precincts in the county. That determines the line. Mm -hmm. See, there's commissioners. I'll show you how much change in that. This county now has has a Mexican and a white woman out of, out of the, there's four commissioners in the county judge that make up the commissioner's court. Mm -hmm. There's one lady on there now and one Mexican. When I went in the office, commissioner's court, everybody thought about a woman that I would have been crazy. I thought about a Mexican, even, Mexican didn't even vote. Mm -hmm. Let alone get elected to there they are. In the office. And a woman is a, well, the duty of the commissioner's court has changed considerably now from what it was then. They had so much to do with building roads and, and uh, mm -hmm. supervisors. They had a road supervisor, every one of the commissioners did it. So about the building of roads in their commission precinct. They don't do too much of that anymore either. They mm -hmm. it, you know. Well, would the county board member that was from a precinct would he have a did he have a special relationship, but but with the schools in that precinct, or what? No, he had no jurisdiction over any of the schools in the district. Uh, he represented the schools in the district. Say the county commissioner precinct one, two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. All right, if he was a like in the county school board on commissioner precinct one. He had no jurisdiction over schools in that particular community. Commissioner had nothing to do with it except just friendly basis. Uh, but I mean, in an informal way, was there? Did the schools in that district tend to try the trustees of the, the school districts in his precinct tend to try to work through him to bring matters before the general board? I mean, would they? Uh, they'd work to get road work done by him. They'd do that. Yeah. They want to get a road improved in their community. The, county, the local trustees could do that uh, as friends working with the county commissioner to their precinct. Well, I'm thinking about the school member or the school, the county school board member from that precinct. I'm just trying, I mm -hmm. was trying to get at whether he had some kind of special relationship with the school districts in his precinct, or whether they would come to him rather than going to you or going to another school board oh, member. Oh, no. I never did see it. So, okay. i tell you the truth. The longer I was county superintendent, the less one work was done by the county board. Mm -hmm. And county consolidation did away with some of the districts, you see. Mm -hmm. And they were, when I went in office, a county board member in the community, everybody in the community knew him and knew he was on the county school board from representing their district. If they wanted to do anything on the county wide, they'd come to me with it through the county board or, or vice versa. The county board would come to me with it. But except in about two cases of 28 years I was in there, two or three uh, run-ins I had with trust some county board members and being a little dictatorial about my work. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all I had the whole time. Most 90% of them were close friends of mine and something came up and needed to be done that had to help me. Thank you.
I know you're getting tired, but we're, it's almost, we're almost. Yeah, I don't know if we've done any good, but. I, we're doing, let me tell you, I am trying to, I, my feeling is if I can understand the role of the county school superintendent and the county board in, in Travis County, which is a fairly typical county in terms of the number of common school districts and how long right. they lasted, <clears throat> and if I can understand, if I can get to a point that I can read the county board, school board minutes and really understand them, understand what's going on, then I can go to other counties and read those minutes and understand them. So mm -hmm. that's, that's, uh, this is helping me, this is helping me enormously. I told, um, told him I wish I had a kepa. I always did keep a list of all my teachers employed in the county names and addresses and phone numbers. I had them all, and I'd get my secretary to make out, make them on a couple of sheets and pin them together and go in there and, and run off 30 or 40 copies of it and give, give each teacher a copy of it. And the county board each had a copy of all of it. Mm -hmm. But they have the names of all the teachers, phone num addresses and phone numbers and things like that if they want to talk to them, you see. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish I had kept a stack of those papers. I didn't do it. Yeah. I will, if I want to talk to Bess Jones now or somebody like that, I've got to go look the name up and tell Yeah. Well, that's why I've been I've been looking a lot of names up. He's, for instance, last year, uh, Minnie Lovett lives here, and she was a primary teacher. Was teaching in the age of town here. She finally wound up teaching. When the first grade at Popham School about 12 or 15 years before she retired. And uh, I used to tease her and get away from kids. I'd say, Miss Lovett, aren't you ever going to get out of the first grade? She said, I'll never make it. She didn't want to make it. Yeah. She was just an expert in it. And uh, <clears throat> Ms. Patton moved in here. Her husband been a former superintendent. He got out of school business. And, and she came to me in, from some West Texas county. And I love she had a letter, letter and came in the county and handed me said, a letter was from some of my personal friend at the school she came from out there. And he just said, I.W., this will introduce you, Mrs. Catherine Patton, the best primary teacher I ever had. I hope you find a place for her. And the funny thing, there was a vacancy in Popham School, and I just took up the phone and called the principal out there. And I said, Putnam, you haven't filled that vacancy in primary he said, no, I haven't. I said, don't fill it till this lady comes out there. She'll be out there in a few minutes. She jumped in the car and went out there, and he hired her right now. He saw what kind of person. She stayed out there and taught out her last years, and she and Men of Lovett were together. Mm -hmm. eight, eight or ten years, joining rooms. Ms. Lovett called me on my birthday, and I said, Ms. Lovett, where did you get my birthday? She said, I got it on a school paper somewhere. I said, I just happened to see it, and it was your birthday, and I thought, and that night, I got another phone call. It's Catherine Patton. I said, Mr. Pop, I just called you up to wish you a happy birthday. I said, I didn't know you were here in Austin. She said, I'm not. I'm in Houston. I'm calling you from my, from my apartment. <laughs> I said, well, I want to bring you greet greetings from Minnie Lovett. I met your sidekick. <laughs> your old room together. Had joining room for 10 years, 8 or 10 years. And said, you two girls are almost sisters. She said, yes, we were. Yeah. And he said, I'm glad to hear from her. I said, well, I'll pass the news on to you. She called me a while ago. That's, yeah. a, that's the kind of friendship I like, that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, I could see where people work together that long, that close. 
yeah, to talk to. That kind of, you know, one thing I was thinking, when you go back to the, say, around 1930, and you look at a situation where in, within a single county, you might have some some of these counties 60 common school districts okay yeah, and, right. yeah and, and in more than one in some in some cases uh several i guess several schools in a district you know quite often there'd be perhaps several schools in one district sometimes you big know. district wasn't it yeah i mean i bet there's ever kind of thing in the county how could it, and you know now just not knowing any better the thing that strikes me is how could the county school superintendent without helpers really keep tab on on everything can't do it um, i depended on my principals more than anything else and i had meetings with them my principals we'd have joint meetings and we talked school business and nothing else oh i said nothing else but that was what the purpose of the meeting that's what we talked about and I had miss peckham would have meetings I'd, I'd attend them sometimes sometimes i wouldn't i was tied up with something else but she talked to them strictly about teaching primary and working with little kids. Mm -hmm. And I say today that she did more for that than ten times what I did, because she went and that's all she did, worked with that. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about it either. Yeah. I wasn't in primary teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, principal had a somewhat different meaning in a common school, didn't it? I mean, like... Uh, Principals yeah. were principal teachers, weren't they? I mean, they were also yeah, teachers. Well, yeah, they were teachers. Yeah, they were I teachers. mean, like now in an elementary school, the principal is usually just an, he's an administrator purely. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah, these big schools, they don't think about anything else. Yeah. Do you think there were some, there were some advantages to having uh, school principals also as teachers? Can't do it. You got too many other things to do yeah. in a big school district. Yeah. Uh, I I got a letter from the attorney general the other day, outlining some things that they're going to try to put up in the next legislature about schools, and this is it. It's on discipline. Mm -hmm. Strictly discipline. Those things, things they're going to try to bring up, and I I think they're on the right trail. I don't blame to be mean, but. I hear too much see my daughters in these high schools. Mm -hmm. For instance, you know, a few years ago, a kid went into high school and shot the teacher, killed him out here. Yeah, I do remember that. Well, a year after that, or sometime after it, uh, Jill said she was in a school and, and uh, Mexican boys up walking around acting smart. And she told me, go sit, always you go get in your desk and sit down and, and get busy and go to work. He, he said, you know, one teacher got shot by telling kids what to do. Mm -hmm. My my daughter said she heard that. That Mexican boy made that remark. And uh, yeah, two years ago, a young teacher was doing a wonderful job in teaching a math class finish up her work in student teaching. And this teacher, Jill, said she had a, said she wasn't a real beauty, but said she had a nice personality and said she had a wonderful voice. He said, oh, she was a good math teacher, too. He said, said Mr. Oscar, I want you, and my daughter said, be sure you're there the last, that's going to be my last day to teach, and I want you there. She said, I'm going to be there. Said so she pulled up her desk, like the end of this room was here, she put her 
pull the chair over here and sit down, and the teacher went back over here to the back and sit down. And uh, said, this teacher was doing a fine job. She wasn't very nervous about either, this young teacher. And uh, she just, right next to her was a boy in the math class, high school now, here in Austin. And he said he, he'd say, say funny things and try to create attention, you know. When next one for the lesson, she said she reached over and touched him on the shoulder. Said, "Son, said, you quit asking those foolish questions and pay attention to what's going on. You get a whole lot more out of this class." He said he looked up and he said, "Well, it's none of your business." Hmm. I said the discipline is going out the window too far in public schools. I don't mean I don't want to be mean to children. I've taught. Yeah, I know what you mean. That. But those children have got to have a desk, and they got to get in and sit down there, and they got to work if they're going to get an education. They can't get running out of the room talking smart. Well, was out in the com in the common school districts in the country schools that you that you oversaw. What what was was there a discipline problem? Uh, Sometimes it'd be not much though. Sometimes it was not by comparison to what you're talking about. No, that's not how it is in town now. Why do you why discipline do you think? worse? Well, it's because the teacher has no authority. The teachers in the Austin High School have no authority over that management of that room. It's left up to the principal, and the principal won't do anything about it. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. I don't say it just because I'm old and dead, but uh, they're going to try to pass the law. To, these, these children are going to get put out of school with on account of discipline. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in whooping and beating on kids. That, that's that's side, that's out of it. I'm talking about a child having to behave himself and sit down there and act like a human being. And it's generally a Mexican, a black, or some white kid that's trying to show out and do something like that. And they know the teacher can't do anything about it. We didn't have that in my day. <laughs> Kids that I'm hating himself. Yeah. Well, would 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 discipline problems ever make it all the way to your attention uh, when you were county school? I mean, I I know I'm talking about the a very sometime thing, but would problem students with the problem the, the difficulty with problem students would it always be handled at the school district level or would it somehow come to your be called to your attention it was called the district level you know, get the local, local teaching the principal and the principal might talk to me about it which I'll give too much trouble I'd call it the parent uh -huh. here's an example where what teachers what parents think a few years ago we had a snowstorm wintertime, and out here on Pleasant Hill, on Road of San Antonio, the Pleasant Hill School, had about four or five teachers there, and, and I think they had a good school system there for a school that size, an opportunity. And uh, the board, I was on the phone quite a bit talking to the trustees that night whether or not to operate the buses the next day. It was, the report was terrible, said it's going to be, everything's going to be frozen over in the morning, and there's ice and snow on the ground now. And the board decided, to call off school tomorrow. And we had announced at 10 o'clock news that there'd be no, no public school tomorrow in Pleasant Hill School mm -hmm. on account of the danger of the road and the children might get hurt with attempting to ride the buses. And meanwhile, we missed the decision on that because the weatherman did it because by long midnight after it, it, the wind changed and the began to melt and it wasn't as cold the next morning, the ice was melting. Well, you couldn't grab up buses and start them out after they'd been called off, and the kids all knew when we were in school. And about 9.30 or 10 o'clock, 
my phone rang in the office and said, Mr. Problem, this is Mr. So-and-so. He said, when is the school buses coming out here? And I told him we'd cut the school off today. But he said, I wish you'd get a bus out here and get these damn kids of mine out from under my feet. That's terrible. I felt like hanging a paper, I felt like hanging a phone in her face. I said, Lydia, there won't be any buses out today. Uh, it's a decision of your local trustees and mine and advice of a lot of people in the community. Be dangerous to operate the buses this morning, otherwise they'd have been there, but they'll be there tomorrow. Goodbye. That's terrible. Now, I, I didn't have anything to offer that woman. Well, they really get, get my damn kids out of under my feet. <laughs> I didn't think that way about that one, about these. Yeah. You do you have any children? No, I don't have any children. <laughs> but I'd hate to think that if I did, I would wouldn't, think about Wouldn't the... you, though? <laughs> Uh, uh, when my wife took sick, passed away four years ago here in this house, and she figured that things, that thing was going to get her before some day, of course. She said, well, now, as long as, as long as you live now, you do what you can to help Joe and Bill with those three kids there that live right there. They were all here then. No, Billy wasn't. Billy was in California. But... Her idea was that if you have spare money, you spend it on the kids, it'd be well spent, and help take care of them. And those kids, they look upon me as, as a grandpa. I want them to feel like it. I want to feel like this house is their house. Come on in, you know. Mm -hmm. And that woman there, if anybody say anything against those kids to her, she, she, she wouldn't like it. She'd consider it an insult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that young from graduating Baylor Medical School first day of June, and she's moving into a new apartment, and her mother and daddy left here this morning, got out of work, and went down there to move her, to move her. Uh -huh. uh, if parents don't think about the kids, how do you expect anybody else to? Well, do you think, do you think that generally, the, in the, in the country school, in the small districts, in the smaller schools, you know, the ones that you are administering, that the parents were closer to the school than they are in the big city I schools. Sure they were closer to the teacher and closer yes, to the. I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, maybe that explains. I mean, the lady's attitude that you're telling me about was sort of, it was a rare attitude, was it not, at the time that that you're talking about the Pleasant Hill lady? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But maybe that attitude is a lot more general today with regard to. to I the think work. it is. I think the parents. Look up on the school, too many of them like it. It's just some place to dish our kids out of the way, and they don't let the teacher do it. We don't, I don't give a damn if they yeah. don't run anything, let it go. They don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, kids like that in general don't turn out too good, too. You know that. Yeah. yeah. If I had come home and told my daddy that I had to say as a teacher when I was a boy, he'd have busted me with a paddle or something. That's a different world, you mm -hmm. see. I walked two miles to school. Got some Texas history to it. Uh, the Wright family lived next to my dad's place. Dad had about 400 acres a year.